This is Taking Care in Business, a podcast that dives into the topic of corporate social responsibility from many different perspectives. Host Kathy Pedrotti Hayes is an expert in CSR and philanthropic giving, and her co-host, Vicki Bolson, is the founder and CEO of Bolson Group, a unified marketing company that was also the first B Corp certified company in Indiana. Kathy and Vicki became friends and equally passionate about CSR when they first worked together several years ago. Join them as they talk about why it is always worthwhile to take care in business. Taking Care in Business is made possible with support from Conscious Capitalism, Inc., helping individuals and companies become more conscious with transformational experiences that inspire, educate, and empower people and organizations to elevate humanity through business. Go to ConsciousCapitalism.org for more information. Hey, Vicki, what's going on? Hey, how are you today? Great. Good. So I have a surprise for you, Matthew Sosi, our wonderful engineer. I'm not supposed to be a part of the show, but thank you. What? <laughs> I have your reusable straws that I promised you. <laughs> Those longtime listeners of uh, TCB, yes, uh, I was I was promised straws, and uh, and and she delivered. So thank you. Yes. I you've caught me off guard. That makes good podcasting, I yes, guess. Yes, it so. is. And there's not just one. There's four. So you can give them to your closest friends or family. My smarter two-thirds, my wife and my daughter. There so, you well, go. Well, thank you, Vicki. I appreciate and it. And when we come next time, I want to see you using those straws. Yeah. If we allow drinks in the studio. <laughs> well, Rich, which, of course, we don't. That's right. So, okay, can we can we make this less about me and more about our guests? We have yes. company. Yes, yes. Let's get to yes. our guest. So uh, I love, Vicki, how we get the opportunity to interview such amazing and innovative people. You know, I on know, this show, we I meet know. so many cool people. So our next guest is no exception. A serial entrepreneur, real estate developer, and philanthropist, Brittany Turner founded Ariel in 2009 at the age of 21 oh with the mission of elevating people and places. Since that time, she has uh, formed multiple companies under the Ariel brand, all accelerating the mission by empowering people, sustaining the planet, and utilizing capitalism as a force for good. Sounds familiar, right? <laughs> Through the success of her companies, Brittany is uh, resetting the standard of what is possible for women and young people across the globe and has won several national and international awards for speed of growth, innovation, and trajectory. Ariel's commitment to a triple bottom line approach is pivoting uh, is, I'm sorry, is proving that conscious business is not only viable, <coughs> but the way of the future. So I became familiar with Brittany through the Women Presidents Organization, Vicki, um, which we are I'm both affiliated, uh, yep. right? And so it's, as you know, it's hard to be a standout in that group uh, yeah. of women presidents. But Brittany certainly stood out um, with her accomplishments at such a young age, the passion for mission, and her entrepreneurialism. So help me welcome Brittany Turner. Or should we call her Smarty Thanks Pants? Thanks for having me. Right. We may call you Smarty Pants, too, Brittany. <laughs> <laughs> well, wonderful. Well, thanks so much for joining us. So as we're getting started, can you tell us your story, just a little bit about how, um, as a young person, you really became very convicted about using business as a force for good and, and how that kind of came to be? You know, I actually didn't have the plan to go into business originally. I have a bleeding heart to help people, and I'm really grateful that from a young age, I, I, I started going on mission trips at 13, 14, 15 years old, and I saw some really horrible atrocities that are happening 
to mankind all over the world. And uh, at a young age, I realized that my life is not going to be about just serving myself. I really want to help people who don't necessarily have the same opportunities that I do. And my big shift happened when I was 17 years old. I was on a mission trip in Costa Rica, and um, we put on a, a women's conference. And at the end, we were praying over everybody, and I asked the last little girl there what her name was. And she actually couldn't speak because her father had sexually abused her so bad as an infant that her vocal cords were destroyed. And that moment changed my life forever. And there's not a day that goes by that I don't remember the hopelessness in her eyes. And I went back to my tent and I got on my knees because up until that point, I had always planned on actually being a full-time missionary. Um, My plan was in Africa. But I went and got on my knees And I dedicated my life to figuring out a way to make this, which I found out was a normal thing, not a normal thing. I found in that community, it was actually socially acceptable for fathers to break in their daughters. And, uh, and so I dedicated my life to figuring out how can I, how can I change this? How can I change what is acceptable in culture so that these little, uh, children don't have to go through that. And so, um, you know, I didn't have the full plan day one, but I do want to encourage people out there that if you're really passionate about doing something, um, just stick to that and keep moving forward, whether or not you have the full picture, because I never would have guessed in a million years that I would be where I am today in this path and being able to be as impactful as we are because of what I know based on what I've learned in business. So a very, very unconventional path, but that is, that is actually how I got my um, original purpose. And so I ended up stumbling into business by buying my first house at 18. I had this guy come in to, um, I was actually a part of a survival school, a survival and leadership school. And this guy came in and he talked about how you can buy houses with no money down. This was in 2007. Mm-hmm. And if you rent them out, there's this thing called cash flow. And if you have enough cash flow, then you can live in Africa and you don't have to ask people for money. So I thought that was a great idea. And I bought my first house at 18. And in the process of buying that, I found out a lot more about the real estate game and how if you, you know, have enough of these properties, you could own apartments and then you could have enough money to build orphanages. And I really liked the idea of really being able to be more impactful and never having to ask anybody else for money. And so there's a lot of uh, millennials specifically who are passionate about changing the world. And I always encourage them to find a way to, to be independently funded. You know, it's not bad to collaborate, but for everybody out there, how can you find out how you can be intentional enough, focused enough to where your calling on your life doesn't depend on somebody else showing up or not, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, you have one chance on earth. How can you figure out a way to have everything coming into your world to where you're financially sustainable enough to uh, not get knocked out of the game? So that's another thing with not going into debt and everything like that. But that is my start. And now you have five companies and one non-for-profit? Yes, ma'am. So that's a lot. And so you could, (laughs) smarty pants, so you could, so you could go on probably for a while about what each company does, but can you kind of give your elevator speech 
what the five companies in the nonprofit do? So after, uh, you know, dedicating my life that day, I've been on this mission on how do you actually change what's happening out there. And so I've gone on mission trips over and over and over again. And to be honest with you, I get really frustrated because I, I didn't really think I was helping people. Mm. And so I've been on this mission like, okay, God, how do you actually solve poverty at its root? How do you end the need for parents in this horrible, desperate situation to have to sell their kids into sex trafficking? I mean, there's other trafficking reasons that trafficking happens, but let's eliminate that level of desperation to where that these kids are getting sold by their parents that should be loving and protecting them. And so I've been on um, on kind of that hunt. And every time I go anywhere, and even in some of the, the more impoverished areas in the U.S., I figure out what's the root, how do we solve it? And so what I found in my years of doing real estate, um, you know, started out with just renovating houses, and then it turned into building new construction. I actually went on a trip back to Africa and saw that because we were developing an orphanage in the worst area ever, I mean, this was like the highest area that parents were having to sell their kids. Because we were developing an orphanage, the whole area started thriving. All these Mm. businesses moved in because, you know, the locals saw that there was investment going into a community. And that rocked my world because I figured out that real estate development can spur action to where people have hope in hopeless places. And so the once most impoverished area um, in, in this you know, city in Kenya was now one of the like, most economically flourishing areas in that entire region. And it blew my mind that you could do that. And then I discovered that there are two worlds. So there's the, the physical world in which you can change through development. And then there is the intangible world of the Internet. And they're both really important. And so I started this media production company called Aerial Produce. And the entire goal of it is to utilize media to promote great causes, people, and ideas. How do we build platforms around entrepreneurs and areas that people should know about um, but don't necessarily? A lot of the media is, is really paid to elevate what's horrible and what gets attention, you know, I control this company, so I pay my team to elevate what is working. Where should we put more energy, and who should we put more energy around? So having the uh, – my two main companies are real estate development and media production. And with those two, which also work very hand-in-hand, you can shape culture. How often are you back in Africa, and how active are you there still? I've been a lot more active in the the British Virgin Islands, actually. Yeah, I remember. Okay. Yeah, we talked a little bit yes, about no. the BVI. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, if you're looking to develop nations, essentially, because if you can bring in jobs, then you can wipe out poverty at its root, and some of the most emergency needs can at least go away, then, you know, my, my vision has gone from, you know, just doing houses and moving to Africa to actually being able to develop these areas that really need an economic boost mm-hmm. and create jobs in the process. So that, that's, that's the best I've come up with on how, how to wipe out poverty at its root. And so if you're going to be developing nations, then you need to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And it's easier to start in smaller places. And so islands that, that do still need help are a really great place to start because you can, again, it's a really good test ground. So I've practiced in our own backyard in the urban communities of Nashville and throughout the Southeast. 
And then now we're practicing in islands, and then we're going to be able to do more um, in bigger areas that are more spread out. Mm -hmm. So um, my team and I go to the BVI at least one week of every month on average, and we've not only uh, been making the web series called BVI Stronger, which allows people to follow the recovery and actually join in and, and become part of it because a lot of people want to help they just don't know how sure. we've made a, a web series but we've also been templating what does it take to recover quickly what are the best practices so that we can share them if there are getting worse and worse storms in the world then people need to know all right well i don't need to make the same five years of mistakes that this place did if this worked let's at least share it and i haven't really seen that shared through youtube and in a really easy way on the internet. And so we're just doing that. And if we just want everybody to come learn what works, what doesn't work, so they can recover quicker, quickly. So Brittany, tell us a little bit about the nonprofit that you have as well. You know, I'm actually really touchy about uh, having a nonprofit because I love having a business that makes money and does good things at the same time. Mm -hmm. I'm very, very pro not having to ask people for money. And right. Well, you said right. that before. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. yeah. And so uh, having a nonprofit is interesting. And instead of just having a nonprofit that people throw money to, Aerial Global Community is better thought of as like a club. So we are a community of dreamers, donors, and doers that get together to, to really solve some of these horrible issues in the world, specifically in developing nations. And so um, we have trips where we all sit in a room and we whiteboard for days, but we don't just talk about stuff. I freaking hate that. I don't talk about stuff. I want to talk about it. I want to get really clear, have the right people in the room, and then I want to create a plan, and then I want to fund it and get it done. Mm -hmm. And so that's really the best way to think about our nonprofit is, yeah, a community of dreamers, donors, and doers that come together to get ish done. <laughs> so mm, uh, like I've that. had a lot of fun with that because you allow some of these people who have so much more to offer than just money to have their their resources and brain power in the room solving things together and that's been it's been really fun to do this so we're coming up with um in each country that we're working in we come up with what are initiatives for the year and then we have a team go execute them but it's a very new thing uh for me and I've, i should have done it a long time ago so for those social entrepreneurs out there i do recommend you have a nonprofit that people can actually they don't have to be your employee to be part of what you're doing so there's a lot on organizing that, but that is something I wish I would have done a long time ago. So using using your business as a force for good, I'm sure you've come across other businesses, too, <laughs> that, that are uh, in this kind of similar um, space. One of the things that we always ask about is if we have listeners who are, you know, from all over, some who have companies that are either engaged in social responsibility or social enterprise or who are interested in doing it. You gave just a bit of advice about opening up a nonprofit maybe sooner. What else would you tell them to do? Some of the best advice that I've received is two-part. It's one, give proportionally. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really easy, especially for somebody that grew up the way that I did and, and actually felt really guilty when I started making money. I didn't know it was okay to have resources at this level. Um, so give proportionally because for a lot of people, it sounds weird, but if you've got a bleeding heart, it's really tempting to give everything away. Mm -hmm. And I had to kind of get smacked down um, to not do that, especially early on. You know, think about everything you have is like seeds. You can't have a crop later if you give away all your seeds. So mm -hmm. give proportionally as you grow. 
allow your employees to understand that the more you grow, the more people you can help. So being really transparent with your employees and maybe even your customers on their impact and allowing them to be part of that is great advice. Um, and the other thing is don't sink your ship. Again, it's kind of another way of saying give proportionally. So it's really easy as a social entrepreneur to become more and more and more intentional, but you can't do that until you are a stable company. And, and Richard Branson actually told me this. He said, if your business isn't, you know, isn't profitable, you can't help anybody. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you have a bleeding heart, but make sure your business is profitable. So then you can tack on more and more intentionality. So, mm-hmm. for example, in real estate, um, our vision is to elevate people and places. And so we always consider the community, the surrounding community. How are we impacting them? Mm-hmm. How are we in, uh, impacting the people who live in our home in a positive way? How are we impacting the earth in the way in which we develop and the kind of materials that we use? Um, but something that we haven't done that we would, we would like to do is maybe hire ex-convicts to be the people who build our houses, um, use even more sustainable products. You know, we're doing our first all-solar development right now, and we're doing our first green roof development right now, and and our first artist community, but you kind of just kind of tack those on as you become a more strong foundation because if you try to do every single thing at once, you will sink your ship. But I do um, just make goals. You know, what's our five-year goal for impact? What's our one-year goal for impact? And then just keep tacking it on and make sure your staff see it and they help you come up with those ideas. You sound like you would be such a cool person to to work with and for. What is a, a typical day like working um with you oh man my staff's in the room you could probably ask them but uh every day is different i guarantee that and i also guarantee and i'm glad i started saying this in the interviews because uh if they don't get it then they're going to get knocked out pretty quick it's just you know it's a very interesting environment when you're trying to do a lot and you're trying to do it in a different way than it's ever been applied before, specifically in your industry. And so it's interesting to hire that way because you want to hire people with experience, but they don't, if you're doing something that's never been done, then they don't necessarily know how to think about it in the way in which you go about things. And so, you know, we've dummy proofed it by putting our core values up on the wall and we live and die by those. If you're not living by those, then, um, you know, you're, not, you're probably not going to be a good fit. But the best thing I started saying to people in the very beginning of hiring them is I say, look, my the best thing that somebody's ever done for me is to push me past every single one of my limits. And I'm not going to lie, I hated them at times for doing that. It makes me very uncomfortable, but it made me so much better than I ever thought I could be because I didn't even see that it was possible for me to try those things. So my goal for you is to make you as uncomfortable as possible by believing you can do things you've never done. So when I'm doing this, don't get mad at me if you can. Just remember, the day that I stop doing that is the day I stop believing in you. So it actually allows them um, to, to grow and understand the growing process because growing is uncomfortable. And I, feel, I do feel like that's the best thing I can do for my team. So um, working for me, uh, every day is different. Uh, be ready to grow personally. You're going to have to be really entrepreneurial because I don't know any other way. I mean, my history before this, I have a very, you know, solid resume waitressing. So it really gave me the uh, good foundation to be the leader of a almost $100 million organization <laughs> that I am today. So 
Yeah, I agree. Waitressing is uh, is is not easy. I was a waitress too, and and you do have to be uh, pretty. Not for the faint of heart. Yeah. No, no, I I agree no. with her. Oh wow! Well, this was a great interview. I liked um, little nuggets of wisdom that you gave, and um, it's it's really been a pleasure. For our listeners who want to follow along on everything that you are accomplishing and will accomplish, how can they find you? The best way to follow me personally is at Brittany Turner on Instagram. We've got a YouTube and uh, what else? Brittany is B-R-I-T-N-I-E, right? Yes. Yeah, unique spelling to find you. Mm -hmm. Okay. You can also follow uh, at Ariel Produce. Okay. Good one. Oh, yeah. So definitely. We've got both of those. Those are the fun ones. Great. And I'm grateful for your time, you guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for the interview. Yes. Thank you, Brittany. Thank you so, you very so much. much. Let's give a big thank you to Matthew Sosi, our podcast engineer. You can visit the Taking Care in Business website at takingcareinbusiness.com. Or just visit us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at Taking Care in Biz. That's taking care in B-I-Z. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at any time at info at takingcareinbusiness.com. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, take, take care, care in, in business. business. Taking Care in Business is made possible with support from Conscious Capitalism, Inc., helping individuals and companies become more conscious with transformational experiences that inspire, educate, and empower people and organizations to elevate humanity through business. Go to ConsciousCapitalism.org for more information.